theme yeah. is from the Acts the of the Apostles. Let us be attentive. In those days, many signs and wonders were done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high honor. And more than ever, believers were being added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and pallets, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the common prison. But at night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Peace be with you, the reader. Let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with you all. And with your spirit. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. Let us be attentive. Glory to you, O Lord. day of the week, the doors being shut where the disciples were, for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. While he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. Though the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the print of the nails and place my finger in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, I will not believe. Eight days later, his disciples were again in the house 
and Thomas was with them. The doors were shut, but Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not be faithless, but believing. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Peace be with you who proclaim the Gospel. Glory to you, O Lord. Glory to you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Christ is risen. Christos Anesti. In the book, The World's Worst Predictions, it lists some of history's all-time prophetic goofs. For instance, King George II said in 1773 that the American colonies had a little stomach for revolution. He was wrong. An official of the White Star Line, speaking of the firm's newly built flagship, the Titanic, launched in 1912, declared that the ship was unsinkable. And another one, in 1939, the New York Times said that the problem of TV was that people had to get to fix their eyes to a screen, and therefore, that the average American would never have time for it. Imagine the screens today as opposed to then. But contrary to these inaccurate, we would say, prophecies or grossly erroneous predictions, we commemorate today, on the 9th of May, the great and holy and astonishingly accurate, I might add, prophet Isaiah, who prophesied to the people of the old covenant Israel 700 years before Christ. The immediate and historical context of the prophet's words of warning and hope to Israel has to do with the Assyrian invasion and destruction of the northern kingdom of Israel. Isaiah, being from the southern kingdom of Judah, turns to the people of Judah and commands them to trust in the Lord, to repent of their wickedness if they wish, 
to be spared the same fate as their brethren to the north. In the course of the 66 chapters of the prophecy, the great prophet makes astonishing statements about what is to come, not only to his own people at that time, but about the appearance of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's right. In fact, Isaiah is so exact in his words, it is as if he were, we would say, telling history rather than predicting the future and what is to come. He has been called, in fact, by our church fathers, the fifth evangelist, because his book is indeed like a gospel, telling of the good news and the salvation to come in the Lord Jesus. St. Gregory of Nyssa believes that the prophet Isaiah, quote, knew more perfectly than all others the mystery of the religion of the gospel. And St. Jerome says of the prophet, he was more of an evangelist than a prophet because he described all of the mysteries of the church of Christ so vividly that you would assume he was not prophesying about the future, but rather was composing a history of past events. What are some of these events the prophet proclaims in his book? There are, of course, so many. There's no way to cover them all now, but we can at least look at a few of the mysteries revealed in his book. Chapter 6, the famous call of Isaiah, says this. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. The house was full of his glory. Around him stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The doorposts shook at the voice of those who cried out. And the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, because I am pierced to the heart. For being a man of unclean lips, I dwell in the midst of a people with unclean lips. For I saw the King, the Lord of hosts, with my eyes. Then one of the seraphim was sent to me, Isaiah continues. He had a burning coal in his hand, which he took with tongs from the altar. He touched my mouth and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is cleansed. Now here, brothers and sisters, we see so many things. We see heavenly worship, heavenly worship that is mirrored in the church's liturgy. What Isaiah saw and experienced, we too now live out after the coming of the Lord in our worship. He sees Christ enthroned as if he is already incarnate. The thrice holy hymn reveals already the mystery of the Holy Trinity. The burning coal represents the two natures of Christ, divinity and humanity, because the coal is earth and fire. And of course, it represents the Holy Eucharist, which touches our lips and takes away our sins. The tongs taken 
to take that call from the altar represent the Panagia who held the Christ child in her arms and once again even the communion spoon with which we call in Greek la vida, tongs, with which we receive the burning coal of the body and blood of Christ. In the next chapter, we have the famous prophecy of the birth of Christ from the Virgin Mary. The prophet, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, proclaims, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive in the womb and shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, of course, means God with us. And this shows that the son of the virgin in the prophecy is indeed God come in the flesh to save his creation. And this Emmanuel, Jesus Christ, is called by these magnificent titles as Isaiah continues when he says, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, whose government is upon his shoulder, and his name is called the Messenger of Great Counsel, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Father of the Age to Come, Prince of Peace. And what do we take from these? His government is upon his shoulder because he bore the cross and rules as the crucified Lord. He is the messenger of great counsel because he made the Father known to us. He is wonderful counselor because of his saving and healing words of eternal life. Christ is mighty God because he is true God of true God, of one essence and of one throne with the Father and the Spirit ruling all of creation. He is father of the age to come because he is the head of the church and has inaugurated the eighth and everlasting age to come through his death and his resurrection, of which age we are already citizens subject to Christ the King. He is the Prince of Peace because he has made peace between God and humanity through his blood. He has declared peace as a way of life for Christians, and he has brought the peace that surpasses understanding to each of us. What else does Isaiah teach us? He tells us about the good news of salvation to come in the Lord Jesus. In fact, when Jesus himself began his public ministry, he read the following words from the very book, Prophet Isaiah saying that they were being fulfilled in the people's hearing that day. And what did Christ read? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. He has sent me to preach the glad tidings, the good news and gospel to the poor, to heal the broken in heart, to pro proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Isaiah tells us in great detail, furthermore, about the crucifixion, death, and burial of Jesus. He tells us about Christ's descent into Hades, the destruction of Hades, about his resurrection and ascension into heaven, and about the general resurrection of the dead brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit when he writes, the dead shall rise, and they that are in the tombs shall be raised, and they that are in the earth shall rejoice, for your due, O God, is healing to them 
but the land of the ungodly shall perish. It should come as no surprise that since Isaiah was preaching spiritual inner reform and repentance to the people in his day, the people eventually had enough of him and actually had him put to death, sawing him in two with a wooden saw. Thus the great prophet suffered a martyr's death for Christ even before the first appearance of Christ in the flesh on earth. Because Isaiah saw the king, he saw the Lord lifted high up on his heavenly throne. He saw and he believed in Jesus. As John, the gospel writer, even says, Isaiah saw his glory and he spoke about him. We also, brothers and sisters, have seen, we have experienced Jesus' glory, his love, his death, his resurrection, his salvation. And so, after the example of the great prophet Isaiah, who saw all these things in the Holy Spirit, and we have witnessed in truth, let us also fall down and worship the risen Christ. Glory be to him. Christ is risen. Stand at this time. <laughs> 